Well, hello. Hello. It's my favorite haunting the podcast. I'm Mel. I'm Ames. We're here with episode 39. 39? It's 39. Already? Next week's going to be 40. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 40. Yeah. 40 comes after 30. Yes, I... I, I... <laughs> You got confused because it's not actually going to be next week because we're I, recording in advance. Yes, yes, kind of, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we're almost to 40, much like our real ages, sadly. Just, Ooh, yeah, don't say that. I, I don't like this aging thing. Um, yeah, and then we're going to take a break after that, as we do. Yes. 10 and then a break. Should we get right to it? Uh, sure. Cool. Whose turn is it? I don't remember. I don't either. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> so I did Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. It is also called the Mansfield Reformatory. Is it a field of men? Does it rain men in that field? No. Men did use the field for um, war preparation at one point. Oh, okay. Yeah. It used to be a Civil War soldier's um, training camp <laughs> before it was the uh, reformatory. AKA prison. <laughs> yeah, that's where you go to reform. <laughs> because you want to get better and out of a life of crime. Yes. So, uh, some of the history behind it it was built between 1886 and 1910 and was intended as a halfway point between the Boys Industrial School in Lancaster, which was basically like when. Younger boys, 8 to 18, were um, convicted of a crime. They would go to this place as long as it wasn't, like, a felony, I think. Um, And they'd live in cottages, and, like, they didn't have bars and fences and stuff, but they, like, worked on the farm and learned trades and stuff like that. This was in between that and the state penitentiary. Like summer camp. So this place was supposed to be in between. So I guess for a little bit more tough cases, but not like going to the adult penitentiary. You know what that reminds me of? Remember in criminal justice class, because we took a criminal justice (laughs) class in high school, um, (laughs) we went to that shot camp. Oh, yeah. It was like kind of like summer camp, except there were like drill instructors who yelled at everybody all the time. Yeah. One of my son's friends works there. Oh, really? I think it's that one. Or, works there? Yeah, works. Like, the he's a, like a guard. Your son's friend? It's dad. Sorry. My son's friend's dad. Oh, my dad. God. Oh, my... Why... Did, yeah, you really <laughs> said my son's friend. I'm like, you're... I know you think dad. that your sons are, like, getting old, but they're not that old yet. Uh, no, his dad works there. Oh, my goodness. Oh my okay. That was terrible. <laughs> That clears that up. I think that visit turned me off to going into the military, oh. actually. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, wait, this is kind of like boot camp in the army, right? Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I think college is for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Back to the reformatory. <laughs> in September 1896, the reformatory opened its doors to its first 150 offenders. And they were put straight to work in the sewer system and buildings around the wall that surrounds the, the complex. Ew. <laughs> I hope the sewer system was not being used at the time. I mean, well, why else would, would it be there, though? 
Well, they were building it, I think. Oh, okay. They were put to work building the sewer system. Yes. Okay, because you said in the sewer system, so I'm really picturing them, like, climbing down into, like, sludge and... Ew. I mean, they could have been doing that, too. I don't know. So, over time, the reformatory um, officially transitioned into a high-security prison due to the rising um, prison population across the state. It didn't... I couldn't find an exact date when the transition happened, but I guess... Other prisons got overpopulated, and the offenders just got started sent here. Um, between 1935 and 1959, Arthur Lewis Glackey was the superintendent. This is important. <laughs> That's why he's in the history. I couldn't find any other like mentions of any other superintendents or wardens or anything like that. Just this particular one. Arthur Lewis Glackey. Yes. Um, by all accounts, he was respected by professionals and the inmates alike he implemented many reforms such as piped in radio music in the cell blocks oh fun (laughs) glacky's wife helen died of pneumonia three days following an accident in november of 1950 uh, when a handgun discharged after falling from a shelf in a closet she was reaching for a jewelry box up on the shelf and knocked the handgun off it fell, shot her in the lung, and then she died of pneumonia. Glecky died following a heart attack he suffered in his office on the premises in 1959. I want to know what kind of hair trigger was on that gun, because um, just dropping a gun doesn't typically cause it to go off. Unless you have, like, a hair trigger where, like, a slight breeze on it will <laughs> cause it to go, but um, that's not Yeah, typical. I mean... Like in movies and stuff, when people like drop guns or whatever and they go (laughs) off, like that doesn't, that's not like a thing. Yeah, I didn't say what kind of gun it was, so I'm not sure. Um, Well, I mean, it could have been, that doesn't matter, like if it was modified or whatever, but like that's just like for that story to like have happened like that, that it just makes me suspicious because like, is that really how it happened? I mean, or was she murdered? I mean, that was the. That was always the account. Like she, well, it would be if that was the official story. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It made me suspicious too. I'm mm-hmm. like, really? How? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and um, like most prisons of its time, it was common practice for the inmates to be mistreated, and the use of solitary confinement and other punishments were used often. Disease and vermin infestation were also prevalent, along with violence from inmates against one another and against the guards. So over 200 people died at the reformatory, including two guards who were killed during escape attempts. The reformatory was opened until 1990 when a United States federal court ruled the facility be closed. In 1995, the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed, and they have turned the prison into a museum and conduct tours to help fund grounds rehabilitation projects and currently work to stabilize the building against further deterioration. The reformatory has been used in many movies, the most famous being The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, uh, several music videos were filmed here. Promotional photography was taken here. Um, almost every paranormal investigation show has visited here. <laughs> like, there was, like, a list on Wikipedia, like, three inches long. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not writing all those. <laughs> the Ohio State Reformatory offers uh, three different types of guided tours. 
Um, the History Meets Hollywood, which focuses on the movies that were made there. Beyond the Bars, which focuses more on the history and access to areas that are off the tour route. And then Inmate Tours, which are guided by former inmates. Oh, cute. And they also have uh, ghost tours. And they offer public tours, private tours, ghost walks for children 13 and up, ghost hunt classes for children 13 and up. And special ghost hunt events hosted by famous ghost hunters, celebrities, and historians. So that was all for the history of the reformatory. So we can move on to the hunting. So uh, common reports are of shadow men darting in and out of the cells and disembodied voices coming from empty rooms. Doors slamming, visitors being pushed and scratched, and equipment failure and batteries draining, like, rapidly. Like, they put fresh batteries in, five minutes later, they're dead. Uh, The sanctuary, allegedly where uh, executions took place, is a place that um, people get a lot of activity. Individuals have stated that they capture a lot of orbs in their photos, and that they have noted bizarre, unidentifiable noises when inside the sanctuary. And they have seen spirits dangling around the entranceways, but rapidly vanish once their presence has been noticed. Hmm. And there are accounts of frequent suicides. And I don't know if that's what they mean by dangling, or if they're just like hanging by their fingertips in the doorway. Mm. or I don't know, but like I don't know what they meant by dangling. That is just an odd phrase. Yeah, it almost seems too light of a term to refer to somebody being, like, hanged. Yeah, I don't know if, like, it's, um, like, barred doorways, like how there's, like, bars all around, but it's a doorway, too. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, to hold on yeah. to the bars, like, right, like right. monkeys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, tour guides and visitors alike say they can still hear the warden, Arthur Glackey, and his wife having conversations. And investigators have smelled the scent of roses. Um, They think it's Helen's perfume that they're smelling and have seen Helen walking to her bathroom. Others have reported smelling the fumes of cigars Arthur used to smoke all the time. That cigar smell, that's always, that's like always the odor. That's always like the scent. Yeah. I smell cigars. No one's smoking cigars. I feel like that's very... I want to say that that's really common because that's it's such a strong, distinctive odor that it's probably easily absorbed by whatever can absorb. Yeah. Some investigators have experienced invisible hands assisting them up the stairs at the reformatory, um, feeling pressure on the small of their backs or arms, uh, and they it's thought to be one of the guards helping them around. Frank Hanger, a former guard, has been spotted repeatedly, not only on camera, but during a live investigation. I don't know how they know it's Frank Hanger. I don't know if it's really that distinct of a shape that it looks like him or he wore something specific, but it didn't say how they knew it was Frank. But And I had not seen any photos or video of this apparition that is said to be Frank, so... I'm not sure. Uh, The hole or solitary confinement is one of the more haunted spots in the prison. Visitors report experiencing nausea and discomfort, even fever-like shudders, as well as cold spots, the feeling of being watched, and mysterious breathing down their necks. Mm. Mm -mm. 
the basement is the site of a disturbing tale of a boy of only about 14 being beaten to death. No. Uh, sightings of the boy's small figure have been reported. Now, one thing about that is my son's about 14, mm-hmm. and he's almost the same height as me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider myself all that small. Okay, but what year was this supposed to have happened in? Um, it doesn't say what year the boy was beaten to death, so I'm not sure. But if it was, mm, let's see, because eight. when was it? When was it operational as that like that like summer camp for the boys, like eight to eighteen? Eighteen ninety six was when it started. So, so you have to remember, nutrition was not what it was today, and people, yeah, overall were just smaller, and also. Different kids grow at different rates. Like, your child is a giant. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like... I wouldn't think 14 would be all that small. I would think, like, an 8-year-old would be really small. I don't know. Could be small for his age. Others claim to have uh, seen a figure running away as if in fear. And there is also a guard that that is seen down here. Who brings a menacing presence to the location? More than a few inmates have committed suicide, and in the shower room located in the east cell block, a presence is often noted, thought to be the spirit of one inmate who hanged himself. He messes with flashlights and other electronics, and visitors have also reported feeling as though they too are being choked. Another inmate doused himself in either kerosene or paint thinner and lit a match, burning himself to death. Hmm. And his burning figure can still be seen in the east wing near the cell where he died. Jesus, that's a hell of a way to go. I know. Where did he get the supplies for that? I don't know. I'm thinking that it was probably more paint thinner, like in one of the, like, from the workshop of some kind, instead of kerosene, because I would think kerosene would be harder to get in a prison. I, I mean, you would hope, but... Yeah, I don't know. Another spot of activity is the stairway leading to the guard tower. There have been reports of unseen occupants shoving visitors. Voices and laughter can be heard echoing there as well. And um, that's it for the hauntings. And one more thing to note about Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, is they run a haunted house at the prison um, from late September to early November every year. And it's be worth looking into. I know it'll be a little too late for this year unless you live there, but... Well, this is going to air. You guys are going to hear this on the 28th, the last week of October. So it goes through... This year it goes through November 3rd. So you get there for the weekend? Yeah. At a few days notice. (laughs) Assuming you listen to this the day it's posted. Yeah. (laughs) Which I know a lot of people don't for a few months. Angie, so (laughs) (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. I kid, I kid. Okay. So mine I've kind of touched on before in our bonus episode, but not in like detail. It was like a personal experience thing Mm -hmm. and it wasn't this location. So I did, uh, McMenamin's and I did the Edgefield location, which is in Troutdale, Oregon. So fuck off oil truck. So if you didn't listen to our bonus episode or you don't remember it, um, which was a while ago, so I wouldn't blame you, but um, McMenamin's is this really fucking awesome chain of, they started out as um, like pubs and restaurants, Mm -hmm. maybe just pubs, 
but there's um there's like a huge chain of like pubs and restaurants and the food's pretty decent and the drinks are really good. Um and then they expanded into um hotels and basically resorts. Hmm. So there's all these locations of um these hotels. So they have the whole they're all in the Pacific Northwest, so like Oregon and Washington. Okay. And they have this program where you go and you buy it's like thirty bucks, you buy this little passport book. Mm-hmm. It looks like passport. Um except it says McMenamins on it. And in, inside it's like scavenger hunt. Okay. So all the each page is for a different location and then some of the locations are so huge they have two pages. <laughs> and as you check off each item you come down to the front desk and you they stamp it. Okay. And then when you fill up a page, you get a prize. Ooh. So like I've gotten um uh, a plushy black rabbit, <laughs> which is – at each location has, like, a different theme. So the, this one location um, – actually, it was Edgefield, I think um, – has the black rabbit bar. Mm. And there's, like, a black rabbit, <laughs> um, like, in the paintings and stuff. And, like, so my prize was a little black rabbit plushy. <laughs> um, and then I've got, like, different cups and water bottles and keychains and, like, there's just a whole bunch. And it's, like, they give you, like, a choice. Like, mm-hmm. they have, like, a showcase. And, like, pick what you want. Um, and they have, like, a – a scavenger hunt that varies by location. So you go to the front desk and they have like a riddle. It's like a, like a little poem, like clue. Uh And it describes one of the portraits hanging somewhere in the building. Okay. Which can be, as we found out on this trip, pat on the back for me, either a painting or a photograph. Okay. (laughs) Because it usually is a painting, but this one time it was a photo and, it was like a whole like no it's always a painting and i'm like no but this photo is like perfectly fits yeah. and it was a photo so the a lot of these locations have like some of them are very simple but some of them have like it's like edgefield has a winery a brewery a movie theater a spa a golf course a concert venue multiple pubs and restaurants and then of course hotel wow. rooms <laughs> yeah so um i keep mixing up like because we went to like on that trip we went to like four or five different ones. We stayed at two different, we didn't stay at Edgefield, but we stayed at two former schools. Uh-huh. So, um, which was interesting. And so they'll have, um, like multiple restaurants and like one of the restaurants that was more, well, I don't know if it was a restaurant or a pub, but like it had an arcade in it. So like one of the passport <laughs> items was like play a game at the arcade. Mm-hmm. So like I played pinball and then I go to the, the, the hostess and I'm like, Oh, I played pinball and she just like stamps the thing. So, and you know, you, so that's McMinimins. They're fucking great. The history of the, specifically the Edgefield property, um, it was originally the Multnomah County Poor Farm. Oh. And we all know how poor farms go. Yes. So, I mean, by now, if you've listened to this podcast with any regularity, you should be familiar. Um, if not, it basically was, uh, they sprang up like around like in the 1800s um, and they were run by the county and they were like, if you were poor or um, out of work, or like if you were a woman whose husband died and you weren't allowed to own property, you would go and you would live here and you would basically, it's like a working farm. So you would work the farm to like basically earn your room and board. Mm-hmm. None of these places really have the reputation for being particularly um, accommodating. They're all pretty shitty, um, which is probably why they're all haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, also, all of them seem, there seems to be a pattern where all of these places eventually turned into nursing homes. That's weird. Yeah. Like they, like, I'm pretty sure everyone that we have done has turned into a nursing home before finally being shut down. That's, 
that's a, that's a... I mean, I guess it makes sense because you have people who aren't able to ever leave and they get old, but like they, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's weird. Um, so the Multnomah County Poor Farm, it was built to replace the Hillside Farm, which had been shut down due to the deplorable conditions of the building. And that was in like, I didn't have a specific year for it, but it was 18 something because it was built in, Hillside Farm was built in like the early to mid 1800s. So somewhere around there. The Multnomah County Poor Farm welcomed its first 211 residents in 1911. And then of course, like all the other ones, they initially were called inmates. It wasn't a prison. Uh, it just, and it didn't indicate that they were prisoners there. That just was mm-hmm. the the common term for these places. Um, but eventually they, uh, like within a few years, they changed the term to residence. Uh, so that was in 1911. And then by 1914, there were 302. So two years for almost another hundred people. An infirmary wing was added in 1934 for the now aging population of the farm. And a year later, the number of residents peaked at 614, which would have been like, would that have been like the height of the depression or like when the depression was getting like really, really bad? What year? 1935. Yeah. Um, So I didn't see anywhere um, where they said where how many residents it was built to hold, but 614 was definitely overpopulated. So, um, they were cramming people wherever they fit. Yeah. Um, they turned closets into rooms, quote unquote, and shoved like two or three people into those. Oh, nice. Um, so the farm grew to encompass 345 acres. And in 1939, a doctor's duplex was added. And then in 1940, an incinerator, a sprinkler system, and a sun porch were added. So amenities. Um, and I wondered, it didn't say this, but I wondered, I, I saw sun porch and I was like, well, did they accept TB patients? Because you know, the sun and fresh air cures everything. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing actually specifically said that though. Uh, in 1947, the name was changed to simply Multnomah County Home and Farm. And then the farming stopped in the late fifties and the name again changed to Edgefield Manor. The main building became a nursing home in 1964, and an external building became the Edgefield Lodge for Emotionally Disturbed Children. That was all 1964. So you have one building for the elderly that can't take care of themselves and one building for the emotionally disturbed children who can't take care of themselves. Uh, The entire complex was then known as the Edgefield Center. In 1972, the county was toying around with the idea of just shutting the entire facility down due to the high estimation of renovation costs and necessary repairs. They quoted it around like $400,000. When they built this place, it was with a budget of $100,000, which equates to a little over $2 million today. Wow. Yeah. Um, That was in 1911. But they stayed open uh, another 10 years until 1982, and that's when the remaining three patients were relocated before it was officially closed and the property abandoned. Oh. Can you imagine? Be- okay, this place is huge. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine being, like, three patients. You have a place to yourself, man. Like, they better have had private rooms. <laughs> I would hope by then. Um In 1985, so three years after that, the county made the decision to remove all the buildings from the property in order to market the land to private buyers. 
The Troutdale Historical Society challenged this decision, and they won. It took them a little while, though. Um, But in 1990, Edgefield was named on the National Register of Historic Places. And the same year, it was bought by the McMinimans. So it was two guys. I think they're brothers. Um, But it's two guys, the McMiniman boys. Um, They have this whole thing. And this was the first place that they bought that they bought with the intent to make it a hotel. Okay. So they already had the chain of pubs and restaurants. And it sounded like they had a little trouble getting the financing for it Mm because the banks were all kind of like, you have no experience in hotels. Yeah. And they were like, well, we want to try it. And they were all like, get fucked. Um, But they did it. And I mean, I would say they were successful. It sounds like it. I mean, these properties are so fun. Mm -hmm. They're so fun. After they bought the property, so they're doing all the renovations to get it like, you know, ready for to be a hotel. Mm -hmm. Um. Workers found animal bones and a pentagram drawn on the floor. Uh, nice. But they chalked this up to just kids messing around on an abandoned property. So that was like all the history. So this is one of those cool places where there is a ghost log <laughs> at the front desk and you can nice. ask for it. And then if you stay there and something happens, you can add to it. They don't necessarily advertise that they're haunted, but they don't deny it. Mm-hmm. And they even, they have a blog. There's the McMenamin's blog. <laughs> and they wrote, one of the lines they wrote, they were like, you know, we're not here to say whether these, because there's a few locations that have stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say something like, we don't, we're not here to tell you whether these locations are or aren't haunted. And then in parentheses are. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... Um, and a lot of employees have had, like, I have accounts from employees here. So, but for Edgefield, so we're just focusing on Edgefield specifically. Um, Kennedy School is another haunted one. I think that's the one that, yeah, it was Kennedy that we stayed at that that had the we stayed in because it's an old elementary school mm-hmm. and we, you stay in classrooms. Yeah, the chalkboards are still there, <laughs> and that was the room that we had that I was on a roll away and the wall actually rolls up and there's oh. like a space but instead of having a closet yeah, yeah and so there's like a space behind it and that was the one we couldn't get the wall to go down and i kept staring at it all night and i kept feeling like a little girl was gonna like run out yeah and it's one of these stories is kind of similar except it's with an old lady but it like reminded me of that and uh-huh. i was like i didn't think it meant anything like if you just like felt like someone was watching you and you could like specifically Cause like I was specific, like it was specifically like a little girl that mm-hmm. I kept feeling like was, the- and I don't think that I, I don't purport myself to be psychic or anything, mm-hmm. but like, I just kept feeling like that. And then one of these stories that I'll read, he's like, I really just felt like it was like an old woman was just in the room with us. But, and he even says like, I don't even believe in this stuff, <laughs> but it's like, but why do you specifically feel like Mm-hmm. Old, like it's so weird it's so yeah. weird i don't i mean i've had that being watched feeling but it's no like specific it's not like i specifically yeah. can like almost visualize who's standing there watching me and it, it like and that's what this room fe- felt like was i was like somebody's there mm-hmm. and they want to play like they want to like fuck with like, you know it was like mischievous feeling and, like she wanted to mess with me yeah and i just like i could almost see her <laughs> but you know, there was nothing there. Like I didn't actually yeah. see anything. It was like in my mind's eye and it, like bizarre. Yeah. It was really bizarre. And I don't know that I've had that feeling before. I don't think I have not specifically like that. Yeah. It was really weird. So, and then it was even weirder the next morning I was talking to the guy in the gift shop and he was asking, 
I went over all this in the bonus episode, but just as a refresher, because he was like, how was your room? You know, I'm just covering in here for the day. I'm actually the head of housekeeping or maintenance or something like that. And I was like, oh yeah, it was great. It just, um, we were in the room. He was like, what room are you in? And I told him and he was like, oh yeah, that's a good room. And I was like, yeah, except it had the, uh, the part of the wall that goes up and down to get behind. And he's like, oh yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, we couldn't get it to go down anymore. And I don't know if it's meant to be like that or if it was stuck on something. And he's like, no, like it shouldn't, it shouldn't have, um, given you any trouble. It should have just gone right back down. And I was like, well, we were afraid to yank it and break something. So we just left it. But all night long, I just kept feeling like a little girl was going to like pop out or something. And I couldn't take my eyes off it. I was like terrified to look away because I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to look away and look back and she's going to be standing at the foot of my bed. And he like, he kind of like chuckled and he goes, that's not where you have to worry about seeing the little girl. She hangs out at the other end of the hallway. And I was like, there's a little girl. What the fuck? Like, I didn't know. Cause like I knew Edgefield had stories, but I didn't know that Kennedy school did. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, yeah, go to the desk and ask for the log book. And I was like, what the fuck? And like, sure enough, like there's pages and pages of stories about seeing a little girl. Wow. So, um, anyway, that was a little off course. Not, I mean, a little bit, of course. Um, when we visited Edgefield, we didn't stay the night there. We were just there for the day. I did not experience anything. So, so there is, there is the logbook for guests, um, at the front desk and you can just walk in and ask for it. Like you don't have to be staying there overnight to see it, but some of the, so, okay. So I've got a ton of stories here. Okay. So first story, employee Allison, uh, this is from 2012. So I don't know if she still works there, but at the time she worked there as a wine server in the winery and she saw a nurse in the upstairs hallway of the winery, which is the former infirmary. Hmm. Uh, and it was at 11 AM. So like, it's a winery. There's not really like people in there yet. Yeah. And she says, I was just walking with a bucket and I saw this 60s styled woman. I could tell she had a little hat on. I could tell she had pantyhose on. That's how clear she was. And she was just walking and you couldn't see keys, but it looked like she was holding keys and she was coming this way and she just kind of turned and she looked like she was going to open a door and then just vanished. Uh, She also experienced a dark shadow figure in the Black Rabbit Bar that did not have good energy and was the reason behind her request to work in the winery instead. So the black rabbit bar, and that's where I got my little black rabbit blushy. Mm-hmm. And he's so cute and soft and squishy. Another employee speaking anonymously said, I definitely heard something in the brewery one time, like six years ago. I don't know. I think this is also <laughs> from 2012. So, you know, it's a little dated. But um, so he says, I definitely heard something in the brewery one time, like six years ago, a long time ago. But I was mashing in at five in the morning. So I got there first. The rafters up there, there's nothing up there in the rafters. I was the only one there and I could hear someone dropping something and then rolling it down the rafters. And there's really not a floor up there, so kind of weird. So I just turned the radio on and I didn't go look. (laughs) This guy has watched horror movies. He knows the deal. (laughs) And then I've got a bunch of stuff from the logbook. Um... I was doing housekeeping about it. So this is obviously an employee. I was doing housekeeping about a month ago and I was standing at the foot of the bed when suddenly I felt something firmly grab my ankle and not let go until I jumped away. I looked under the bed and there was nothing freaked me out a little, Uh, just a little, just a little, uh, another staff story. A woman informed us at checkout that she awoke to find someone standing over her. 
that afternoon housekeeping, re, I'm sorry, autocorrect had a field day with my shit. And none of these are the words that I typed. <laughs> I'm trying to navigate. Um, that afternoon housekeeping re-entered the room after cleaning it to find pillows tossed about. So housekeeping had gone and cleaned it and then went mm-hmm. back again later and pillows were just thrown everywhere. Um, then we had another guest feel a tap tap on her chest in the middle of the night. Ooh. Uh, we have another guest. I was taking a shower. Then all of a sudden I felt a hand grab my butt. I screamed and grabbed my towel to dry off and get my clothes on. Right as I spotted my shirt, it flew up in the air. Whoa. Um, there was a cute little note next to that one that said, this is unacceptable. Please have management speak to the ghost in question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like, dude, consent, man. Yeah. I didn't give you permission to touch my butt. What are you doing? Um, in the shower. No in the less. shower. That's rude. There was another shower story. I don't know if I wrote it down or not. So Sandra says, my husband and I frequently go to Edgefield just to look around and catch a movie after dinner. One time when we were just wandering around the place, we got in the elevator. This was before we were married. And as soon as the doors closed, he started kissing me passionately. They're making on the elevator. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Uh, During the kiss, I felt someone grab a bunch of my hair and pull. It was not my husband. His hands were nowhere near my head. (laughs) They were on her butt. Or, uh, I mean, you went with the PG makeout (laughs) session. I went, like, full-on, like, porn, I guess. I'm like, but, okay, cute. Um, Regardless, not on her head. Uh... I sensed an older woman who was displeased with such graphic display of private moments in a public place. Freaked me out at the time, but we laugh about it now. That was not the old woman I was talking about, but still fits that like that sensation of like, I don't see anything, but I feel like you're an old lady. Teresa says we had a company party there. I had no idea it was haunted at that time. I left the ballroom to find the ladies room and ended up looking at a wonderful mural of the history of the place. I hope it's still there. I turned to find a janitor with an old rag mop in the hall, and it smelled like someone was burning matches. Sulfur. Ooh. I didn't, when I was typing this up, I didn't even put that together, but that's sulfur, right? Because they, yeah. yeah. Uh, I asked for the ladies room and he looked at me and pointed down the hall. I went where he directed me and it was really cold and no bathroom anywhere. I went back where I came from and he wasn't around. So I went back to the ballroom and asked one of the hostesses and she pointed me in the right direction. And I told her about the janitor and she said, that was not a real janitor. And this place was haunted. (laughs) I just picture like, oh, sweet summer child. That wasn't a real janitor. (laughs) This place is haunted. Don't worry about it. The bathroom's down there. Um, And from Jennifer, summer of 2009, my boyfriend and I spent the day enjoying the city, taking pictures and visiting historical sites like the Edgefield. Upon reviewing the day's pictures at the end of the night, every single picture we had taken inside the hotel had been erased while all the other pictures from the day remained. Nobody but myself had access to the camera. Weird. Mm. Uh, There was another story about um, cameras. I didn't include it in here, but it basically was a woman and her husband were there. They were in the room. And she was getting, she was about to take a picture of something in the room. Maybe like each room has a mural on the wall. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was that. Um, 
before she even clicked, because it sounded like it was an, a real camera, not a phone. Yeah. So she's getting ready to click the button, but she hadn't even touched it yet, and it went off. Oh. So there's a few things with cameras. Somebody likes to play with cameras. Mm. Um, in the 90s, Justin stayed there, and he writes, uh, stayed at Edgefield one night back in the... Lo- Back in the late 90s during a company Christmas party, did not know the place was reputed to be haunted, and I didn't believe in such things anyways. However, as my wife and I were getting ready to go to bed, I distinctly recall the strong presence of an elderly lady sitting in the room with us. I never get weird feelings like that and never have again to this day. It was so strong I hesitated to disrobe for bed, (laughs) and I even examined the room wondering why my mind was insisting something was there when it wasn't. My wife remarked that she felt like we were being washed, which is an unusual statement from her. Oddly enough, it was a friendly, almost grandmotherly feeling, and I felt no fear or creepiness at all. Years later, when I found out about the reputation and past of the hotel, it rattled me, still does. Don't remember the room number, but it was on the ground floor. Looking out the window facing west, you can see the main entryway staircase. Hero entryway, two words. You can see the main entryway staircase. Um... That's the one that I was like, that reminded me mm-hmm. of my yeah experience. If you want to call it an experience, I mean, I don't know. I was not intoxicated that night, aka I had not been drinking and I was not high. <laughs> so it wasn't like that, like yeah. paranoia. Um, it just, it really just, I just really just kept in my mind's eye, just kept seeing a little girl like popping out from that little cubby. Like, yeah. and I mean, it, like, I don't. Like, I'm all for experiences and seeing stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be startled. And I think that's what it comes down to is, like, I didn't want to look away because I didn't want to look back and suddenly somebody's there and I would get startled. Like, I want to see you come. You know what I mean? I don't want to... Slowly manifest yourself in front of me. Don't jump out in front of my face. And also, like, this is sleeping time. I'm tired. I want to sleep. I have to drive in the morning. I I don't want to be up all night. Yeah. Let me sleep. Mm -hmm. Um... The time for you to, like, play around with me has passed. Uh, This was a fun account. In 2015, medium Amy Venezia and her boyfriend, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, um, stayed in room 215. 215 is considered to be the most haunted room in this building. Okay. Um, So she basically, she has a blog. I should plug it. It's uh, because I essentially just took this off of her blog. Um. But she's at thoughtcatalog.com slash Amy hyphen Venezia with a Z. Uh, and I mean, even if you just Googled that with Edgefield, it'll probably come right up. Because it was like when I was doing searches for McMen- like Edgefield Ghost, it was like the third or fourth link or something. But they had a few experiences. So she's a self-proclaimed medium. So they get there, they walk in. And she has a little conversation with something there. She determines that it's not a human spirit, rather something small and alien-like and somewhat aggressive. She turns on the spirit box. The very first words immediately, get out. Mm. Like, that's comforting, and we're going to spend the night here. By the way, none of these hotel rooms have bathrooms. They're all common bathrooms on the floors. Oh. And uh, there's no TVs either. Okay. I don't know about Wi-Fi. Other words that she got out of the spirit box during that session were... Being, space, travel, learn, planet, gather, information, intelligence, lonely, misunderstood. Oh, little, <laughs> little E.T., I want to give you a hug. You're, oh. Um, 
And this really made me think because I, we had discussed um, the lack of ghost dinosaurs yeah. before. So, yeah, what about ghost aliens? Especially around, like, Area 51. Like, if they crash landed and then survive, you know, would they? I mean, not everybody stays as a ghost, though. Yeah. So um, she actually presents a theory about this later. Um, so she has a session, and she feels exhausted. So they lay down to take a nap. Later on, they wake up. They they decide they're going to go for a walk around the grounds, go get a drink. Uh, so she went to check to make sure the room key was in her purse before walking out. As and like I, she felt the need to explain why she does this. Mm-hmm. I, whenever I'm in a hotel, I mean, I'm checking four times to make sure yeah. I have that key. Like at least, like I'm checking, like as I'm walking to the door, as I'm going out the door, once I'm out the door, before the door shuts, yes. the door shuts, and I check it. Like I'm paranoid about getting locked out of a hotel room, which mm-hmm. is like you just go to the front desk and be like, I'm locked out of my room, and you verify who that you're supposed to be in there, and they'll let you in. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm more paranoid about getting locked out of hotel rooms than I am than getting locked out of my house. Yeah, yeah. Which it's like, who's going to let me into my house if I lock <laughs> myself out? Like, you know? So so she felt like she had to explain why. She's like, girl, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. you're good. It makes sense. Um, so she's checking her purse for the key. It's not in her purse. And her boyfriend's watching her, and he insists, like, dude, I watched you with my own eyes put it into the into your purse like it's got to be in there yeah um so it's not so they start searching the room she says they're searching for about five minutes can't find it he sits down in the chair and looks at the bed and then kind of just stares (laughs) and he goes uh i found the key (laughs) so it was under the bed but like even with the edge of the bed Uh uh-huh and it was um, completely perpendicular with the grain of the wood. Interesting. So it was like set there. Yeah. So it didn't just fall. Like it didn't look like it just fell. Um, and she even was like, it was so perfectly aligned. Like there's no way. Like even if I dropped it, like if I missed my purse and I dropped it or something, like there's no way it would have just landed perfectly like that. Like, yeah. Um, so that was weird. Later that night, they're going to bed and then... Amy sets out ground rules for the spirit that's in there. No touching, no bad dreams. Don't take my energy. Don't, you know, like all these things. Like if you want to communicate with me, I'm willing to communicate with you, but I'm going to sleep. You can't be doing these things to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So guess what happens? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not all of it. Um, But first, while she's like trying to fall asleep, Um, another spirit came forward and she said it was an Asian woman, possibly Japanese in her sixties. And she looked frail, but was a hard worker. And she saw her working out in the fields when it was a farm and she had lost a man that she loved. Mm. She's really sad. Um, so I guess all night, it sounds like she got really shitty sleep. Like later on, she says like got zero sleep, Mm -hmm. none at all. But then she's like, well, I was jerked out of sleep. So, like, you fell asleep at some point. Yeah. Um, it wasn't restful, for sure. Um, but regardless, uh, some point at the night, she jolts out of sleep because somebody touched her. And she believes it was the little alien spirit. Because she, as she was trying to get to sleep, she um, commented about how, like, it was, like, trying to get to her. Like, it was trying to fuck with her. Because mm-hmm. 
probably because she's like, don't do these things to me. So yeah. he's like trying to do everything. Like I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> I want attention and I'm fucking with you. And, um, so I guess it sounds like she, she left the recorder running all night. It sounds like she also left the spirit box running all night. So in the morning when she wakes up, she checks it. And at around 3 a.m., it had logged almost a complete sentence. Like to hang out hallway. Hmm. So I guess it likes to hang out in the hallway. I guess. Um, or I would like for you to go hang out in the hallway <laughs> because, the, you know, the first words were get out. So. Yeah. Uh, so then she starts researching. So she went into it blind. She didn't want to know. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to be influenced. Um, so she discovers that, remember those animal bones and pentagram yeah. that I talked about earlier? And they were like, it was just kids fucking around because the property was abandoned. It's a big abandoned building or whatever. That was all found in room 215. Oh. Um. <laughs> So when they finished the res- the renovations and I almost said reservations, um, I'm like in hotel mode reservations. Uh, they when they finished the renovations before they opened to guests, the hotel had a blessing ceremony done of the property to ward off negative spirits. Um, she also noted one of the first things she noticed when she entered the room, and I saved it for last on purpose. Um, there, so McMenamin's doesn't really have, like, overtly religious connotations mm-hmm. really anywhere. Not in the rooms, anyway. Like, some of the murals might have something. But um, in the rooms, there isn't really anything. But she noticed uh, both lamps were made out of wood and had crosses carved into them. And the mural in the room has a verse from Amazing Grace on it. When we stayed at the Anderson School, I think the mural in our room also had a verse from Amazing Grace on it. Hmm. So I'll just point that out. But um, she was trying to make the connection of they found the bones and the pentagram in that room. They did the blessing ceremony. Mm -hmm. And now this room specifically has, which, you know, if you're not in another room, maybe every room has it. Who knows? But the the lamps with the crosses carved into them and the amazing grace verse, like somebody's trying to like put some kind of like warding or, you know? Yeah. Um, and then she had two photos she in that she took of the window where she says that she sees an alien type face in one. And then the other one, she sees the face of a Japanese woman I don't see anything in either. Mm-hmm. I see one thing that might look like an alien kind of face, but it's definitely the reflection of the ceiling lamp. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I couldn't see anything in them, but um, you can go check out her blog and look for yourself. Um, and then she also offered an explanation about alien spirits, hmm. which I was like, this is really intriguing. I want to talk about alien ghosts. Uh with the rituals that were being performed in that room with whatever, whatever satanic stuff was going on or, or whatever, or Wiccan or whatever, mm-hmm. whoever was in there doing whatever they were doing. And then with the blessing ceremonies and everything like that, and they're trying to cancel out whatever had happened in there before has the potential to create a portal or a vortex yeah. in which all dimensional beings have the potential to come and go. Ah, 
So our little alien friend may not have been from here, but he may have crossed through that vortex from somewhere else. Interesting. And might be stuck there. And now he's lonely because he doesn't Aww. have little alien ghost friends. He's rooming with a 60-year-old Japanese woman. <laughs> and they probably don't have a whole lot to talk about. I mean, what would they have in common? Lost loves, maybe. Maybe. Uh, so that's McMenamin's Edgefield. Um, room 215 is one of the most requested. So if you want to stay there, call them in advance and see when that room is available and book your trip around that. Otherwise, it sounds like there's activity in the other rooms too, even though the specific numbers weren't mentioned. Um, be warned, there are no televisions in the rooms and you will have to share the bathroom with the rest of the floor. Interesting setup. Yeah. Um, we stayed at the Anderson School and at the Kennedy School and in both rooms we had bathrooms. So no TVs though. Hmm. There were no TVs. Wait. No, there were no TVs. There were mirrors on the walls. Yeah. So Jody's the one that pointed out, like, no TVs. And I'm like, that's okay. I'd be, like, investigating anyways. But now that I'm thinking about it, there weren't TVs in the other places we stayed either. So I was going to say, like, were you there for TV anyway? Right. <laughs> and we literally, like, because we were doing the scavenger hunts for the passports. Yeah. So we literally were only in the rooms to sleep. Yeah. And, like... Because, like, we were going out, like, and drinking at the bars and, like, there's so much to do. Um, Edgefield has a spa uh, with, there's, like, a soaking pool and all kinds of, fan- there's a tiki bar. Ooh. Tiki bar's cute. It's really teeny. And then was Edgefield, no, that was Kennedy School, I think, that had the, um, I don't remember if it was Kennedy or Anderson, but they had, uh, I think it was Kennedy, but they had a really cute little, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but it was almost like a little like wooden hut and it had a fireplace with a fire going. So it had that like wood Mm -hmm. smell and it was so homey and wonderful. And the bartender was really great. (laughs) So, and we like, I mean, it was small and we commandeered the corner (laughs) and that left like two other, like two seater tables. And there's like six of us, like in the corner and we just took that place over and like, whatever. (laughs) Um, and nobody got any of my movie quotes and I was really disappointed. Oh yeah. It's okay. So that was it. Cool. Yeah. So that's episode 39. All done. All done. One more to go before we take our hiatus. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, email us, myfavoritehaunting at gmail.com. And if you want to share your own ghost story, send it there. Um, follow our social media, Facebook, My Favorite Haunting. And then we have My Favorite Haunted Group, the home of the Paranormies. And Instagram and Twitter, my fave haunting. And I think that's it. So I'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for potting with us. Oh, happy Halloween. <laughs> that's this week. Well, will be this week. That's not no. this week right now, but when they hear this, it'll yeah. be.